Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And welcome in, everybody. To Scout's Eye on Football, I am Chris Landry, and a happy Thanksgiving uh, to you, as we will not be with you tomorrow. Um, but make sure that uh, you are safe out there and uh, enjoying your time with your family or whatever your plans are. Uh, we're going to get you ready for a football weekend. A reminder that we're going to go off a little sooner um, today. We are going to then get you a quick um, Landry football podcast where we're going to cover a few things as well. So kind of we're going to go back to back here. So we're not going to do the Landry football podcast on Thanksgiving morning, mainly because our good friends at Radio Influence that produce that podcast, I want to make sure that they can get it in in time for our podcast listeners so that uh, they don't have to deal with it on Thanksgiving Day and spend time with their family and whatnot. So uh, we appreciate you. I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of Thanksgiving football, uh, from the college level, but from the NFL level, kind of how it started and how it grew from there. And uh, football and Thanksgiving kind of go hand in hand. It is... uh, Always been my personal favorite holiday um, in that it, it just involves football. Love the feasting on the food. Uh, I think everybody does. You know, certainly the family aspect. As I'm getting older and lost my parents and the, the family aspect's not quite the same. And I, um, in this stage of my life, you know, I'm working. It's busy during, during Thanksgiving, Christmas, football-wise. So I just stay busy working. There's nothing better than to me than being able to watch football. I'm going to get into it um, a little bit in in the in the next hour, but you know I always said that Thanksgiving, you know, the NFL's done it right. The NFL certainly, as I always stress, they're always ahead of the game administratively. You know, and again, I'll get into it in the Landry podcast about how you got. The Lions, and I'll tell you why the Lions were the original team and why they continued to keep their their hold on on uh, Thanksgiving. The Cowboys then came in in 66, starting playing games, and then they've added the primetime game, which, by the way, we're hoping, fingers crossed, that the Ravens can uh, hold off even more positive tests corona-wise um, <clears throat> that we can have that triple header. Love that part of it. College football, get your act together. Um, credit the great folks of Mississippi for making the Egg Bowl a great featured game on Thanksgiving night. That's not the case this year. And it, get it, I get it. The schedule this year is, is not what I'm talking about, but I am talking about the schedules overall. There's no reason why on Thanksgiving Day we should not have a mini Saturday. Basically what we do on Friday Thanksgiving Friday, and I I get it. College football says we'll take over Friday. We'll take over Friday, Thanksgiving Friday. They should have at least a game in all three windows, 11 a.m. Central, 2.30 Central, 6 o'clock, and even a late-night Pac-12 game. Um, And again, I'm not focusing on this year, but there should be three or four games on Thanksgiving college games. The great Oklahoma-Nebraska game, was on Thanksgiving. Um, 
you know, the Texas, Texas A&M was a great rivalry. I realize that game's not even played anymore. Oklahoma, Nebraska and Texas, Texas A&M were two of my favorite Thanksgiving day type games and they don't even play anymore. So we know things have changed a lot in the structure of college football. Why not change it for the better and make some of these games, um, even more of a spotlight and more featured um, as we only have. And I certainly respect and will have my eye on it as I'm watching the NFL games, Colorado State Air Force and New Mexico's uh, Utah State. And, you know, at this stage, you wonder if those games are even going to go off. And this year's a different uh, situation. Anyway, uh, this podcast, want to remind you that if you're listening to this podcast, we invite you, appreciate you doing so, and uh, Landry Football's conference call is where you can listen to this podcast. Sign up, subscribe to it, Landry Football's conference call. If you want to watch this podcast live and contribute to it live, as we appreciate Jig's Dad, 44, happy Thanksgiving, cheering us 100 bits. We'll tell you about that in a second. Really appreciate you. Um, but we invite you, and for anyone that's found us on Twitch TV, it's twitch.tv forward slash Chris Landry football, two things, hit the follow button, hit the little heart button at the bottom right of the screen that will automatically send you a message every time we are live and the link to the show. And secondly, chat with us on Twitch like Jig's dad is doing today. Say hi, say anything. We'll give you a shout back and certainly try to answer your questions. We, we love it to where, look, if we, if I miss your question or comment, um, heck, hit me up again. I, you know, I, I may miss it, particularly when we get a lot of them, but I love that. As a subscriber to the uh, this show, the Chris Landry Football Channel, you are the Chris Landry Football Insiders. We'll lean on you to cheer, have fun, and participate in the chat room. Um, and make sure that you uh, do what Jig's dad did uh, and cheer us on a few bits. Uh, you'll We'll see the uh, on the show. Just below the screen, you can buy bits. They're really cheap. Uh, 100 bits is a dollar. So uh, we appreciate your support. Also want to uh, recognize and appreciate the support of American Betting Experts. Uh, sponsored uh, in this podcast. They are one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Check us out. Um Located on the upper, upper right side of the page, you'll see special gaming offers from American betting experts. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your states, like BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet. Sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on that ad located in the upper right side of the page, and get on in the action with a special offer from American betting experts. Also. Appreciate the support of Manscaped, and what a great gift idea for you uh, this holiday season. Uh, precision grooming, precision engineered tools. They obsess over the technology of their development of the Manscaped. It's a redesigned electric trimmer. It's a third-generation trimmer. It features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Thanks to advanced skin-safe technology, the battery will last up to 90 minutes. So you can take a longer shave. It is waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. They have an LED light. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code LANDRY20. That's capital L-A-N-D-R-Y-2-0. That's L-A-N-D-R-Y-2-0. Um, so, again, we'll take your questions and your thoughts. I want to get into um, a couple of things related to a topic that's been um, a, a, a come up this week, the Clemson-Florida State situation. Um, we'll talk about some of the key matchups this week. And the BCS rankings came out last night, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and just the overall process and maybe some of the things that could be done better. Uh, but first, want to, again, recognize Jig's dad for cheering us on 100. And Rich Coates sends us a question. Hey, Chris, do you see Butch Jones getting a head coaching job at some point down the road? Um, possible. Um, probably more um, 
in the G5 level, who was very successful at Cincinnati, um, Central Michigan. Um, so I think that's more likely. Look, people who have been around Nick Saban come out of it um, pretty well. So I think that there's certainly a possibility. Do I see him getting a a Power 5 job? I, I do not uh, at this point. I really don't. Speaking of where Butch Jones is, an analyst on Nick Saban's staff at Alabama, they came out as expected, ranked number one in the college playoff rankings, Notre Dame two, as expected. Clemson, Ohio State, could see that uh, Clemson's played more games, um, getting the third spot. Florida, Ohio, uh, uh, excuse me, Ohio State four, and M five, and Florida six. So what are the initial thoughts? First of all, before I get into the overall big picture, like I, I believe that, and there's always surprises. So expecting it to fully go chalk is probably unrealistic. Um, you know, I think that it is fully um, – anticipated that Notre Dame should be number two. Now, after all, they beat Clemson. What I think is that if they play again, full strength, that likely Clemson is going to win. I think an unbeaten Notre Dame going into the ACC championship game probably holds on, probably just only falls down to four. I think a one loss Notre Dame likely trumps AM. But remember something. When people want to throw these scenarios, and I'm trying to accommodate the people that have the answers and the questions that get to me, look, so much of it is how they look when I break down film. So it's hard to tell you how they look when the games haven't been played yet. Um, ultimately, if I'm deciding between AM and Notre Dame, I am looking at how I think these teams would match up. Who do I think is better? And that's who I would put in. I I can say, like anyone else, that I think a one-loss Notre Dame that's fairly competitive against Clemson in their one loss, having already beaten Clemson once without Trevor Lawrence, I get it, is probably going to look a lot better from a resume standpoint than an A&M team that hasn't played as tough of a schedule, won't make their conference championship game, and got blown out by Alabama. So, you know, I think that it is pretty close. Now, again, I'm making some assumptions that Alabama beats Florida. I think they will. I'm making some assumptions that Notre Dame will run the table before playing Clemson. I think they will. I'm making the assumption that I think Clemson will run the table uh, to the ACC championship. I think they will. And I'm making some assumptions that I think Ohio State will run the table in the Big Ten. I think they will. Um, that doesn't happen. Something changes within absolutely. We've got to look at it. And for me, it's not just look at the result, but study the process that creates the result. So I I think that all those things are fair game. Um, look, Florida's in a unique position in that they can control themselves. I said in the film room show last night, look, they, they can control what happens to them because they can win out and they can beat Alabama. Well, if they do that, they're going to be SEC champions and they're in. So you'd rather be Florida. Well, yeah, except, you know, you got to beat Alabama. Not easy. So, um, would you, would you, you know, you, you certainly would like to have that control. But, but, you know, certainly if you're A&M, you don't have to play Alabama again. You're not going to make the SEC championship game. You you can avoid all that. So in some ways, they may be in better position. Look, I, look, I see through the committee in that A&M deserves to be ahead of Florida at this point. They beat them. But if Florida runs and loses to Alabama, well, then that's how it'll stay, or Florida will drop a little more. If Florida takes care of business – They'll move ahead. One of the things that frustrates me about, and I want to get into this, about these 
rankings. <clears throat> they're made for TV and they're made for conversation. Look, I'm talking about it and I really don't want to because it's meaningless. The only one that matters is the last one. And it's all predicated on how you play to this point And from this point on. So why are we talking about? Well, because every, I, can you believe this, Chris? Can you believe that? So, all right. I feel compelled to talk about it and I don't want to preach. I probably do too much of that, but look what it does. It puts a narrative in there for people who are used to rankings or polls. If you're ranked fifth by God, and you don't lose a game. How in the hell could you move down? How could somebody move you up? We won. We did it. That's the old school way of polls. These ranking systems are fluid, but then people get frustrated and there's angst. Well, I think they like that. I think it creates, creates a darn show on TV bunch of knuckleheads talking about this and that, and this team's better and that, and it's people love it. Now people may love to hate it. People may bitch about it. People may, I disagree. I think that's stupid, whatever it's, they talk about it, but they're going to talk about it. They want to know, I'm not going to sit there and say, um, you know, I don't want to talk about it. I mean, I think that's rude. I mean, so I want to address it in that sense. Look, I, I said this for some time. It's a simple process. Maybe it's not the most popular one, but college football is administratively very poorly handled. And I, I don't want a college football commissioner from a dictatorial standpoint. I mean, commissioner in the NFL's works for the owners and it's not a dictatorship. It is, um, it's about to coalesce and get people together to have think tanks and not have different entities doing their own thing. You know, I guess part of the charm of college football is to be, well, this conference thinks this, this one thinks that. I, I think that some uniformity would be good. Some think tank sessions where people are working together for the betterment of college football is good. The we're holier than thou, we're better than you. It gets a little old for me. Um, you prove that on the field. You do what you, I think there needs to be some coalescing of rules and understandings and administrative guidelines that are to benefit of all of college football. And then I think when, and then in when only then when you do that, then you can have a really good feel for, I'm not sure that things will change in terms of competitively, but I think in terms of better organization, like I said, somebody that would, you know, uh, not be asleep at the wheel, somebody that could over and say, Hey, wait a minute. The NFL has three good – well, I mean, they have three games on Thanksgiving Day, and they may be good. They may not be good. They may be meaningful. And this year you got the Cowboys and and the Washington football team. And, and a game means a whole lot because the, the leader of both three win teams are going to be the leader in the division. So it has meaning to it in a macabre sort of way, but it has meaning. You know, Texans, Lions, neither one of those are going to win. But we're going to watch it. It's football. I think college football to have their seat at the table and say, you know, we're going to put a couple of games on at that time slot. And that needs to be done kind of organically and maybe better organized so that, you know, hey, look, here's a way to say, hey, we're going to maximize, you know, your conference here in this time slot instead of like kind of competing why don't you do it to where everybody grows? You've got to remember something. The NFL gets it. The NFL, they compete on the field, but they're business partners. When college football realizes that, yeah, they want to kill one another in recruiting and on the field. Figuratively speaking, of course, we're business partners. The more we can make 
these games better. And I, I think way to organize things would be better. Well, one of the things that should be done is we should have better organization of scheduling. But I've always said there should be really four components to a football season, college football season. The early games where you might play a game that would be considered more preseason, like maybe you can play a uh, a G5 team or even lower. And then you get into games against other Power 5 teams, play a couple of those, and then get into your conference schedule and stay within your conference and not have any, you know, cream puff games. And then you get into your conference championship games. Then you have what I would call a continuum of the regular season with bowl games. And December would be filled with bowl games of putting the best teams in the best bowl games and then picking the four teams after that. Because you don't know during a season, somebody may be really better than you expect. Somebody may not nearly be. So a game that you schedule and think, boy, this is a really good game may not turn out to be as meaningful. Yet the opposite could take place. Game that just doesn't mean a whole lot. I don't know. That doesn't look very good in July that, that this game in November doesn't look like much. All of a sudden, it's big. Well, what you can do is you can create nothing but premium games. Like we sit there and say, man, what a great game. And we don't have a lot of great ones. We're looking at, all right, Notre Dame, North Carolina, and it, the importance of it. But you look each week. You know you do it. We all do it. Man, this week, this looks like a really good game. You know, imagine if after seeing these teams play and get through the season, if we did nothing but, hey, let's put these teams together in these bowl games and boom, nothing but big time matchups through the entire month of December. You want to know who's really good? Who's really the best? You know, we may still argue over who the four are and who's number five. But we're going to argue by a little bit more of a sample size of good versus good as opposed to this team didn't play anybody. I mean, you know, it's like what we're dealing with with BYU Cincinnati. There's nothing they can do. I feel bad for them. They're good teams. They're not deserving of giving something that, they haven't earned, but then they've not given been given a chance to do it. it. It's a difficult circumstance. I get it. I understand. You know, but having the lack of organization is a part of it, uh, a big part of the problem. I don't think these rankings do anybody any good other than provide a television show. I do a show, my film room show. We do it, Scott Seidenberg and I. We do it live as it's on live, and we tell people what happened. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I can't believe this thing. You know, yeah, I get it. You know, it's just like, all right, um, is, you know, I'll get this to use an example. Somebody will say, George is too high at nine. Yeah, probably are. <laughs> so not going to make a whole lot of difference. Um, Northwestern, do they belong there at eight? Should they be higher? Should they be lower? Is Northwestern better than Cincinnati? I mean, th those things are interesting. They're not pertinent at this point. Now, people might say, well, but they are pertinent because, you know, if they're ranked here now, then they're going to be, that means if somebody loses, they move up. It shouldn't be that way. Every week's a new week. This is a bigger challenge this year because every week, sometimes bad news where you don't play. How about Wisconsin? Wisconsin Season's over, not even eligible. Look, it's unfortunate. Now, you know, they lost, but could you imagine had they won last week and they were really impressive and they looked like they had the goods and then they couldn't play? They need to be, they're not even eligible. This is a different year. I, I'm not talking about this year per se um, in terms of scheduling, but we're dealing in a situation where, in general, these rankings cause a lot of hand-wringing, which I think they like, and I think they like all the discussion. But in the end, it really doesn't matter to the end. Um, 
I want to get into a couple other things. Going to address some questions here. Um, Rock Westfall says along the lines, Jones, Butch Jones would be better at Kansas. Correct? Is Jeff Long discouraged yet? Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure it, he's the answer at Kansas, but as I expected, neither was Les Miles. Jake's dad, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, thankful to you and your team of information, entertainment, college question. Uh, the ADQ has been trying to get facilities and donations for facilities. Um, let me get that up there. Um, to more of the middle of the ACC. Do you think that since his background from ESPN and not an ex-coach, will he have issue proper evaluating? Uh, I don't know. I'm hope. I'm hopeful. I'm a big believer, as you know, and for great fans like yourself. But I think I may have mentioned this, but I uh, had an opportunity, um, came close to going to Syracuse. Well, I don't know if it was that close. I considered going to Syracuse when Paul Pascaloni was there. Um I played against, coached against um, a um, a Dick McPherson coach Syracuse team in a bowl game, and and they beat us, and they were they were really good program, and they should be. They've got great old tradition that should be better. I like to see the facilities upgraded to where they can recruit. It's tough because they're a northeast school. They're in Big E school that's now in the ACC. And in order to be competitive, you have to have the facilities to do that. And there, look, it's not just Clemson. It's North Carolina. It's NC State. There are a lot of programs that have really good facilities. And Syracuse looks a whole lot different. Plus, so you got a situation where if you're, a, if you're in the ACC, you don't have much of a, an ability to go into the Atlantic coast area and get kids recruits out of that area that want to come to Syracuse over schools in the ACC that have better facilities, better program. And then if you're in the Northeast where you think they'd be able to get kids and it's not a huge, uh, state of New York doesn't have a lot of quality, high-level prospects that you want, but they have some. And Jersey has a bunch, and Pennsylvania has a bunch. That's where Syracuse should be really doing a lot of damage in recruiting. But if if you look at what they have on the field and, and how they present themselves off it with facilities, it doesn't match up even into the ACC. So they've got to do that. And that's the step, and that's the step to attracting the right type of coach, right type of kids. And I think a marketer, a somebody to think outside the box, to be creative, to raise money. It's what you got to do. It's where it has to start because they've got to get it back. I don't, I'm in the minority on this, and this is probably too ambitious. I, you probably disagree with me, Jake. I'd love to see Syracuse have an outdoor stadium. Um, I, I, the dome has a quaint quality. It's loud. It's unique. It's an on-campus dome. I mean, um, the Kibbe dome is another, There's not many that have one on campus. So there's nothing wrong with the dome. I just always thought, man, it would be good. I, Cause I can remember, you know, in being back pre carrier dome where, I mean, I can remember when they played basketball in Manly and, um, still did a number of workouts at Manly with, with, with prospects, but you know, whatever. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the, the new football stadium that, that may be too ambitious, but I, I, I think that, you know, um, I just think that the area there is a little bit nicer than people know. And I think that tapping into the old tradition, which I am aware of youngsters don't know. So you got to create your own new identity. Uh, Rock Westfall says he never watches. I'm assuming he's talking about the um, playoff rankings. I don't blame you. Um, Rich Coach, does it, doesn't it it prove that there's no leadership in college football? Yeah, because there's no way to lead. Look, I, I understand the criticism of Mark Emmert. Look, he's a friend of mine. But I, I understand the criticism. He's really struggled in a lot of decisions he's made as head of the NCAA. He has no involvement in this. He has no role. He has no authority. 
there is no college football. The college football leadership are its conference commissioners, and they kind of run rogue. They just don't have any real um, – it, it's just, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, the, the thing about it is you've got to have – in some ways, a politician of sorts to get people to think along the same lines, which best for the big sport. Um, yeah, same as it is. Uh, Rich Coates' issue with the college football players is the politics behind it because of the scheduling problems, who these teams beat, the so-called eyeball test, which is ridiculous from the committee. I'd rather they put somebody with a football background to tell us who exactly the four best teams are. Well, you know, and again, some people say, well, then you just pick the four and Look, I, I may like a team like right now, heck, Oklahoma's playing a whole lot better. They got two losses. You gotta you gotta admire the fact or you gotta recognize the fact that you've gotta look, I mean, I think you have to have comparable records to some degree, but yeah, there's some teams with two losses that are better than some teams that are unbeaten. But how do you reconcile that? Well, here's how I reconcile it. Put them in a bowl matchup, and I break ties. That's what I'm talking about. So you know, people are going to want to see it, and and I and I think that's one way to do it. So anyway, um, you know, Rich says he likes the uh, the idea of use the bowl system to determine who are the four best, put them in bowl games, are more meaningful like the Rose. Well, yeah. The other thing is, imagine having bowl games that are more meaningful that go back to some traditional roots. They lead up playing all in December, lead up to January 1st, big bowl game, uh, bowl, major bowl game. Should have the four major ones, maybe go five. Fiesta certainly over the years has worked their way into the fifth. And then pick the four teams, January 2nd, January 3rd, and then, and then go forward with it. Think about how many teams would still be in the mix. Uh, we have teams – we still have players that are opting out of these games. Um, when their season's over. But could you imagine how many more would continue to play if the bowl games could determine whether you make it or not, I think you have a lot of players that play in it. I think there'd be a lot of meaning to it. I think the bowl games, which I love, are getting worse and worse. I'm one of the the, the very few that watches them, but I admit they're not as good as they used to be. I mean, they're just not as good as they used to be. Um, big hullabaloo down in Tallahassee, Clemson, Florida State. And look, there's some cogent thoughts on both sides. Um, one thing, and again, I'm new to this and I'm learning as well. I'm confused as hell, quite frankly, on some of this testing on how we do it. And I understand Clemson feels like they followed protocol. But I wonder sometimes what's wrong with the protocol? Um, I keep going back and I, I, those of you know, I've got a long background in the NFL, but I do so much work in college and my NFL work just is so tied to college that it naturally brings that comparison that, that maybe frustrates people when I talk about it. I don't want college football to be like the NFL and I don't want to be the, in the NFL to be like college football. I think that they should be unique. And what makes them unique is like having two children. You don't want them. You want them to have their own unique personality, as do I. I love them both. And I love the differences. But I also think that there's some things that you could really learn from the other. And I think th there's no doubt the NFL's got a lot more money and they can do testing a lot better. And we got situations, but – we're going to get through an NFL season. We're going to get through the games and we're going to play every game and, you know, they're going to figure it out. Again, there's a lot more money, big difference. But, you know, in college, I wonder about a system in which don't we need to 
get the tests. And I mean, everybody understands that the way it works is travel day to a road game in college football is Friday. Before you get on a plane or a bus, by Thursday night, you got to have all the tests for that week. You can't be taking a test and awaiting a result of a test and putting a guy on a bus or a plane. If that meets protocol, the protocol sucks. It makes no sense. I get it. There's a lot of things that go into it. If he tests negative two, three, I get all that. It makes my head spin. It gives me a headache. You can be positive, but test negative. You could be negative and test positive. So I understand that we can't fully um, look at the test as the be all, the end all. But if you look at symptoms and you got symptoms and there's somehow a positive test, I mean, if you've got the symptoms, but you test negative, you probably think, hold on, maybe there's a chance that something's wrong, that the test is wrong because he's sure having the symptoms. So, I mean, if he's got the symptoms of COVID, he needs to be out just until the symptoms go away. And and then, you know, now when you've got no symptoms and you test positive, well, then you got to go and see, you know, take it again and again. And that's where, again, all right, look, you you take it again and again. You take it three more, like what happened with Saban. Well, it's pretty obvious after you take three more tests after the negative one, you realize, yeah, that was a bad test because all the other three overruled the bad one and he has no symptoms. Now, if he had symptoms, no, no, no. You, 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 could, you could have all the negative tests you want. If you got symptoms, shouldn't be on, you know, if that's the protocol, don't, don't, just get, don't get on a bus, don't get on a plane. So I understand that the protocol was followed, but the protocol is flawed. And this is something that you could see happening. One set of doctors say one thing, one set of doctors say the others. Look, I, I no doubt it looks suspicious, and I'm not going to sit here and BS you. I don't think Florida State is crying not having to get a beat down by Clemson, just like I don't think I can tell you that LSU didn't mind at all not having to, to to play Alabama and probably would have gotten embarrassed and they're going to have to play them at, at some point and probably will will get it then. But I, I think there is some of that. I think Maryland was very happy to not have to play Ohio State. <laughs> I believe that. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it wasn't intentional either. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I would say this, that what's happened, and I understand frustration. One of the things I'd say about Dabo is Dabo's got to learn. Dabo doesn't have a lot of polish. Um, You know, he's a good old boy, but he very often speaks and then he thinks, or maybe there's not a whole lot of thinking there. For the greater good of this, you might believe that something's going on. And I think there are certain channels that you take, but I think to come out and for two, three days in a row, start to make, you know, look, I, I was a good friend with Steve Spurrier still am. I, I thought he took jabs and I, I thought they were unnecessary. And I thought they were not as classy as I thought he could be at times. And that's kind of the way I think of Dabble. I get his frustration and I get what he's saying. Just don't think you need to say it. You know, I think you need to, there's a certain way you could say it better. And I realize that Dabble doesn't really know how to express himself in a proper professional way. He kind of does it 
his way. And okay, you be yourself. I don't blame that, but that's just an area that I think he needs to improve upon. Those are, you know, it's serious issues, regardless what you think. And it's, I think, very unfortunate that a lot of people have looked at this whole virus in a political realm. The reality is, is there are a lot of people that get sick and there are a lot of things that we don't know about it and that we need to be cautious about it. Not panic, not shut down the world, but I think we need to be respectful of others. And I don't think we're respectful of others. And look, myself, including, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, sometimes we think about how others feel with what we say. And I think if we thought about how it would make somebody else feel by saying something or doing something, maybe we would think better about saying it. Um, and maybe we'd say it differently or not say it at all. This is a frustrating year in, in society. And in the grand scheme of things, football, while we may think it's important, it's important for our release. It's important, certainly for somebody like me and my work. But, you know, most people, it's a release. It's fun. It's not life or death, but we need to be careful. Um, I can tell you that as a college coach, there is a immense amount of responsibility of caring for your players and making sure about their safety and their whereabouts. And that means a whole lot, a lot more than people on the outside will know. It's not something that you can really appreciate unless you've been in that spot. Um, and so making sure that players, uh, you know, get, well, it might, you'll get over it. What if there is under some underlying issues with a player, you, you've just got to be careful. And, you know, the difficult thing is the coach, you, you, these are, these are administrative decisions. I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's right. Like I said, I, I'm sure uh, Florida state's not crushed that they didn't have to get crushed by Clemson, but also don't think they were doing it to dodge the game. I, I think that that's a little bit over the line and, and certainly not something that Mike Norvell and the Florida State football players deserve to be pushed at. Now, you want to make a statement about, you know, what you think your protocol was and the conference's protocol, and um, I think there's something to the effect of, you know, making sure that the protocols are correct, um, you know, making sure that you're doing things um, on the same page, I think are fair. But I think the caddy comments, I think we could all do without. Let's get into, talk a little bit about the matchups this weekend that I'm focusing on and what I'm focusing on. Um, Notre Dame, North Carolina. There are not many games on the Notre Dame schedule that are going to be hiccups. Notre Dame could, uh, North Carolina could be one. Notre Dame is better at the line of scrimmage. Notre Dame has got some injuries on the offensive line, but they can control this game. They can run the football and I think move it through the air effectively with their big tight ends against North Carolina's defense, which is not very good. I've not seen. Uh, much improvement at all. But I do see North Carolina, their explosiveness on offense, their potential to get ahead and cause some problems. If Notre Dame does not play well, then it's going to be potentially a problem for Notre Dame trying to play catch up because I don't think they're really built for the explosive game. I still think Notre Dame is the better team. They'll take care of business. But North Carolina has been a little inconsistent. When they've been bad, they've been really bad. But when they've been good, they're really good. If we get the really good North Carolina, this game got, might get 
real interesting and certainly could upset the apple cart potentially in terms of the playoffs. We don't have the apple cup. We've got the Oregon, Oregon state civil war. Jonathan Smith is underrated program, underrated coach. Um, it's going to be interesting. Nebraska, Iowa. I'm curious to see if Iowa shows up. Iowa state, Texas. I'm curious to see this Iowa state team. It's really solid, very well coached. You know, um, Texas could start to to shine the a bright light on things if they're able to pull a win like this away when not much is expected of him. That's when they they step up. Curious to see for that reason in this game what might play out here. Um, Stanford Cal play for the Axe. Uh, Arkansas Missouri, Kentucky Florida. Don't think Kentucky can slow down Florida, and certainly if Kentucky gets behind, they're in trouble. Um, Ohio State goes to Illinois. Penn State, Michigan. Just um, wondering if anybody's going to show up in that game. Auburn, Alabama in the 230 Central window. Not seeing Auburn um, doing much here in this game. Don't like this Auburn's defense. Uh, being able to defend against this Alabama offense. Um, I think certainly this, this, I'm curious to see what this Alabama defense does against Bigsby. Uh, but I like Alabama and I like them potentially big in this one. Rivalry game, though, those games sometimes end up closer than we expect. Colorado USC can Colorado first year under Cardarell, um, give USC a scare. Yeah, they can. USC has been able to pull it out. Uh, Northwestern goes to Michigan State. Pitt, good defensive team, and it give Clemson a fight. Um, got a feeling Clemson's going to be angry. Cincinnati's got Temple. The Egg Bowl is now on uh, 3 o'clock Central time. I'm curious to see how the offenses fare in that game. LSU A&M, A&M eager to play. Um I think too explosive. LSU's given up more explosive plays than anybody in the country. I think AM probably wins and wins impressively in a beatdown fashion. Curious to see JT Daniels and this Georgia offense, what they can work on this week against a South Carolina team that's pretty much given up the season. Oklahoma, West Virginia. This Oklahoma team starting to play pretty well. They've lost two games, kind of taking themselves out of it. Interesting as they go to Morgantown. Um, so that's kind of a look of the matchups got a number of games that are being canceled, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and I'm sure there'll be, unfortunately, some others. So uh, keep an eye out for that. You know, by now, Texans, Lions on um, the early window, Thanksgiving Day, Washington, Dallas, again, meaningful in that the division race is still up for grabs. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, hopefully we can play that game. You know, the league is going to do everything they can. That game could get postponed to um, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday if there's some issues, uh, but that would be a real void to lose their primetime game on Thanksgiving night. Uh, Sunday, Tennessee, Indianapolis. Colts have played the Titans very well. This game will pretty much be for the AFC South. Indianapolis winning a couple of weeks ago uh, could pretty much put this one away. Chargers, Buffalo, Buffalo at home, take care of business. You would think so. Arizona, the inconsistent Cardinals against the inconsistent Patriots. Interesting there. Miami, Jets, Miami lost one last week that they probably should have won. Can't drop one to the Jets. Jets still trying to get their first win. Cleveland, Jacksonville, Cleveland's playoff race. Look out for the Saints in Denver. Denver plays well at home. This defense can still get after you. Can the Saints game plan be enough to get it done here? The Saints are in good position now with the Bucks faltering, and the Bucks have Kansas City this week. So a win this week and a loss by the Bucks to the Chiefs, and it'll be pretty much all done for the NFC South. But the race for number one seed is what the Saints are focusing and honing in on right now. The Rams are playing good ball. Right now would be the two seed. The Pack hosts the Bears on uh, Sunday night. 
as they try to stay in the race for the number one seed or the packs and, and then uh, Seattle, Philadelphia on Monday. So look, we've got a long list of games uh, going here in the next, uh, well, Thursday, uh, Fridays. I should have mentioned that Notre Dame, North Carolina is Friday, Nebraska, Iowa's Friday, Iowa state, Texas, Friday, Oregon, Oregon state, Friday, Stanford, Cal, Friday, UCF, South Florida, Friday, Central Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Friday, Wyoming, UNLV, Friday, UMass, Liberty, Friday. Uh, looks like Southern Miss and U, uh, UAB has been canceled. I'm going to take that off the list. Um, so those are the Friday games, and the remaining games that I discussed were on Saturday. By the way, Utah, Arizona State's been canceled. That was scheduled for Sunday. But uh, so we've got some. Obviously, Thursday, Friday, and then, of course, Saturday and Sunday matchups to look forward to. Hey, um, again, I'm going to come back here. We're going to uh, let me finish up with a couple of questions. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, what's Belichick's coaching philosophy on offense, particularly when it comes to the quarterback position? Bill is here's the thing about defensive coaches the best with philosophies on offense or defensive coaches the best uh on uh, defensive philosophy on all is offensive coaches because they work on the other side bill is a big believer in the running game he's a big believer in being able to to work both the short intermediate and deep passing game bill's philosophy is very eclectic more than anybody i've ever been with in that He'll do anything. He'll run 80% of the time one game and then throw it 80% the next. It's very much specific to the opponent. So what he wants is he wants to have the big toolbox where he's got smart players that can do multiple things, backs that can block, backs that can catch, backs that obviously can run, a quarterback that can do all of that. And he's always had Brady there, so he could do all of that. And defensively, he does a lot too. But to your point, offensively, he wants to be able to run inside. He wants to be able to run tempo. He wants to be able to run two-minute offense, four-minute offense. You hear me preach that a lot. You got to be able to do a lot of things. It's like having a huge toolbox and you bring it all with you and you never know what tool you're going to need on which job. Each week, you're going to have to tailor things and you're going to have to adjust and modify in game. So having versatile players, having a versatile scheme, having smart players that can adjust to it is the real key. It's tougher to do in college, but I think essential. Um, Jigs, please tell me I'm not crazy. And do you think that the giants can win the East? In my opinion, they're playing the best. Yeah. Hey, Jigs, uh, anybody can win the East or better yet, Three teams can lose it. Somebody's going to end up. Why not the Giants? They are playing better. They are playing with more confidence. Can't look at Dallas and Washington and Philly and say they're better than the Giants or the Giants are better than them. They're absolutely in it. I was referring to this week that the Washington and Dallas are playing, and that's Look, I mean, it's not a big game. N nobody in the East is doing any damage in the playoffs, but it's, you know, it's important because somebody's going to win the division. And I can, look, I can give you two examples. Carolina one year was seven and nine or seven, nine and one or whatever. And then one year Seattle was seven and nine, won the division. Both of them won the first round, the first round game. Seattle um, was the one Marshawn Lynch just torched the Saints in that game. So it, look, I'm not suggesting that, but there is no, question that everybody's alive in the east um what's your scouting evaluation of justin tuck out of notre dame what well, justin was a really good player out of notre dame i thought he had an outstanding first step i thought once he learned his counter move at the pro level and he did was really good but you know what made that giants defense so good was that they had so many guys um is D Rock Westfall, is Doug Peterson the ultimate accidental Super Bowl champion? You're a great friend. Look, I think Doug's a good coach. Um, look, I mean, they he did a really good job there, and that team was well coached. 
you don't accident your way into it. I mean, I think we think, you know, boy, winning a Super Bowl is easy. I, I think there's some guys that maybe never even get to the Super Bowl that are really good coaches. I think Doug is good. What it shows you is that it takes a village, it takes an entire organization, and it takes right combination of players, the right amount of help, the right amount of situations. And I quite think you look at the the roster, that roster is not very good. And they're banged up. You know what? They had a very good offensive line that year. So what you call from a play standpoint works a lot better. You take a young quarterback like Carson Wentz, put him behind a line, put him behind a line where he's getting his body rocked. All of a sudden, he's gone into a shell, and now he's a bust, and you got to change him. Yeah, you can screw up anything, but is it a reflective that Duck can't coach? No. he may. Can he get it corrected? Well, it depends on how good a job you do around him. You know, uh, I don't think that – I think that how they have done things historically, a little bit overrated from a roster standpoint – I think they've been up and down. have been hit and misses, and a lot of people end up with that. But I, I look at the Eagles as a roster that um, uh, Dallas has a better roster. At least the Giants have a good defensive line. I mean, I, I, the fact that I know, I know the Eagles are not good, but I mean, I, I think right now their roster, in terms of being devoid of playmakers and injuries, are probably at the bottom of that division. And that's saying an awful lot since nobody's very good. Um, AJ Wags, 1909. Great. Appreciate you joining us. Unfortunate Bears fan here. Wondering your thoughts on Mac Jones. If he comes out or Kyle Trash, my, my amateur views, I like the talent and Moxie. I don't know if you're talking about uh, Trask or Jones. Uh, they're both good. Um, both will likely go. I think Kyle can. Kyle does have a lot of poise. Kyle is very tough, um, and I do think he has. Like <clears throat> going for him. Mac Jones does as well. I think the big key is they've got to make his. Do they want to go forward? Is Matt the answer? Is he the guy to coach and evaluate these quarterbacks? Ryan Pace. They've got some tough decisions to make. It's a roster that, as you know, as a Bears friend, is good on defense, but they have to be perfect on defense. And so I think this is a fix that's a lot easier than maybe people might think. But they have to get the right guy to fix it, and they have to make the determination of whether Matt and Ryan are the guys to fix it. And then if they change – you got to be careful to not completely change it to where you ruin what you've already built. I think they're close, but I think getting somebody or making the changes with the guys that they have to get this quarterback situation fixed, it would change their outlook tremendously. Look, I mean, can you imagine if you took, um, I mean, I, I look at a team like, and, and look how good the Bears are. Look at the Chargers. That's another place where, they're not very well coached, don't like the direction of their team, love the quarterback. Um, there's no question the Bears need to find their leader at the quarterback position. And Rich Coach says, last question, it'll have to be as we're going out the door, what do you make of Joe Judge and the Columbo situation? I'll get into that in more detail. Um, listen, I wasn't there. Uh, you're an assistant coach. The head coach decides if he wants to bring a consultant in, uh, he wants to do things a certain way. Your job is to do your job as an assistant. Um, if there should not be any altercation there, uh, that is wrong. Now, I, is it something what was not handled well by Joe? I, I don't know. Still, there's a way to handle it uh, and a way not to. And, and um, until I can look, I've heard different stories. I just being not being there, I don't know necessarily what to believe. Hey. Uh, Join us back in two minutes. Give me a couple of minutes on the other side of the hour, and I'm going to be back for an edition of the Landry Football Podcast. So we're going to flip it on over. We're doing it in today instead of tomorrow since um, it's Thanksgiving. So we're going to be back, talk a little bit about the history of Thanksgiving football, and we'll get to your questions. Here on the other side, thanks for joining us on Scout's Eye on College and Pro Football. I'm Chris Landry. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a couple.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.